everyone and welcome to the Talk Music Podcast, where we chat everything and anything related to the world of music and occasionally focus on topics a little bit unrelated. My name is Scott Kelly. I am a drummer turned comedy singer-songwriter and apparently now a podcaster. You're going to hear me chat to many different people, but more often than not, it will be fellow musicians having conversations about their careers and lives within, arguably, the greatest art form in the world. And you get this for free each and every week on scottkiwi.com, on Stitcher Radio, and now on iTunes. So please rate, review, subscribe, tell a friend, let them know what's going on over here. But for now, enjoy the show. All you Wet 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 fans and all you Graham Clark fans, we promised you guys a while back that we would get Graham Clark back on for a second part of the interview. The Wets have got a whole host of dates lined up for the summer, so without further ado, let's get to the interview right now. Okay, we are back on the Talk Music Podcast for part two. Graham Clark is joining us yet again. Graham, you're the first person that's been on this podcast twice. How do you feel? I can't get enough of you, Scotty boy, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> you know, you're a sassy guy, man, and uh, I just keep coming back for more, man. Well, ladies and gentlemen, for those of you listening, all you musicians out there, do me a favour, quit your job tomorrow, do what you can, because we're all going to be rich by the end of this podcast, because Green Clark's going to tell us how to write hits. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be great. You should be, te- you should be telling me, man. You know what I mean? It's, uh... Yeah, you can. You got now. I know we're, we've gone too far. And that, and that. <laughs> no, the thing is, I mean, it's absolutely amazing. Just doing my research there. Now, for everybody's information, uh, we were meant to do this interview about twenty minutes from now, but but Graham just said, "Listen, I'm online. Let's go for it." So we're just going to jam it. Graham's got his guitar at the ready, and I was doing my research. And, and I was taken aback by this the last time that we spoke the amount of hits, but it's just it's just kind of ridiculous. So the idea is that uh, Graham's got his guitar, like I said, and we're going to go through um, the songwriting process and wets, how all these songs came about, and, and I'm really looking forward to this because there's a lot of songs that I'm a big fan of, and I want to get the insight as to how they were put together. But um, but for the meantime, Graham, you've been doing a lot of solo gigs. How's that been going? You know that's been that's been going great. It's uh, it's a totally different thing, but you know I think I, I just needed an outlet for my songwriting and my creativity. So yeah, it was three years ago. Uh, I wrote about a dozen songs, and um, you know I realised that I had an album there, so I put it out, and the reception's been such that you know I've been able to go out and play play a few gigs, and really, you know, for me. I think if you get bit by the bug, and you'll know this, you know, if you're a musician and, and you sort of go out and play live, when you don't do it, you miss it. And, um, you know, that was certainly the case for me. So, you know, when the chance came around to go and play some gigs, man, I jumped at it. And, um, I, you know, I'm a big show-off, Scotty, you know. I just like getting up there and just getting the guitar on and, and playing a few numbers, man. And, and it's been great, you know. it's been I'm really looking forward to getting out there again. Excellent. Wait, um, well, the last time we spoke, I was telling you that we had Glenn Matlock on for the Pistols, and um, he was saying that doing the solo gigs is like one step away from being a stand-up comedian. I thought that was a great, way, <laughs> thought that was a great way of putting it. It is, man. I mean, uh, you know, funnily enough, uh, you know, 
I wondered if I would enjoy doing that side of it because it, you know, being a bass player in a band, you know, I, I wasn't the front man, so you know, you you, you kind of you, you're inside, you're a supporting act if you like, and uh, you know, by me doing this and singing the songs, it puts me right up front, so I wasn't sure if I was going to enjoy it, but. You know, the guys I'm out playing me say, we can't get you to shut up now, man, you know, and, and, and that's it. You know, I, I talk about how the songs came about. I talk about where we recorded them, you know, something like we're going to do just now. So, so yeah, you, you do, you do kind of, you start looking for funny anecdotes that you can uh, bring into the show, you know, and, you know, don't get me wrong, I'm a, I'm a better musician than I'll ever be a comedian, you know, and... Uh, Although that's debatable in some people's book, isn't it? You know, I'm probably a better comedian than I am musician in some people's book, but hey, you know, it's there's similarities there anyway. But uh, I, I like Glenn Matlock. You know, I was following him around down south. He was playing a couple of the places I was playing where he was reading chapters in his book. Oh wow! Um, so I, I didn't quite catch a show, but uh, by all accounts, it, it looked like an interesting lesson. You know. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I'll need to. Uh, I've, I know he's got a book out, so it's something I'll need to get my hands on because I'm the same as you, Graham. I'm a big fan. So right. let's get down to it, right? One of my favourites years, somewhere, somehow. Um, I might be totally wrong because, of course, I'm a drummer that plays a bit of guitar. I think that's three chords. I don't quite know. How, how did this song came up, come about? Uh, let's just talk us through it generally. Okay. The, uh... No, it's kind of coming from there. So, I mean, it's a pretty well-trodden path in the chord-wise, you know, it's your standard A to E to F-sharp minor to D. And, and, you know, there's a million songs that, that are that, you know, No Woman No Cry comes to mind. Say no woman, no woman, no cry. So, I mean, you know, I guess in the studio we went to a place called Miraval, which which is in the south of France, and um, you know we started kind of going along this, you know, with the idea of that starting. I can't even remember how it starts, and then it goes. So I mean, we were just kind of looking for a. I kind of, you know, with, with Bob Marley influence, you know, it wasn't like we were kind of turning into a Jamaican outfit or anything like that, but certainly Bob Marley, you know, yeah, he does come from Jamaica and there is a reggae influence, but certainly, you know, I think No Women No Cry, it's more of a, a, a rock song than a reggae song, you know? So, you know, I think we're always kind of walking that path of, of kind of, pop rock, if you like, you know, soft rock, you know, because it's not heavy metal, it's not like the pistols or anything like that, it's it's softer, it's, it's melodic and it's, and it's pop. So, you know, with the, with the big rock thing, you know, Graham Duffin had his, uh, his gold top, his Gibson gold top, which anyone that knows anything about guitars, you know, if you play a Les Paul, man, it's, it's heavy metal, man, you know, and uh, so, you know, once we hit on those two chords, you know, the chord progression was kind of easy, and I've, all, I've always said this when we're writing, chords kind of 
don't mean anything at all until you put a melody on top of it, you know, and once right. you put the melody on top of it, you know, the, you know, the chords become unimportant because it's actually what you're saying, you know, that, that becomes important then, you know. And, um, you know, we, 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 we kind of, as I said, it's a, it's a well-trodden chord progression path, you know. So, yeah, I mean, we, we, we started writing that, and as I say, we were, we were in Miraval, and... You know, it wasn't till Fiacre Trench, who is an Irish string arranger, you know, we, we thought it was a nice song, but until he put his string arrangement on it was when, for me, the song kind of took a, you know, grew arms and legs and, and sort of became something. And, uh, you know, it was from that moment on that suddenly, you know, with someone else's kind of creative input on top of your chord structure, it suddenly... Turns, turns into something, you know, so, I mean, it, it was a strange kind of song because, you know, the verse and the chorus, they come on the same chord, you know, the, the verse starts in A and does that, that chord progression, so, somewhere, somehow, and then, and if the night's a lonely time, so the verse and the chorus both start on the same chord, which was, for me, that was a kind of unusual way. You know, usually the kind of golden rule, if you like, for songs is, oh, it's the chorus, it needs to be bigger, it needs to be big. So, you know, by, I think subconsciously, by changing the chord, sometimes that gives you the dynamic to move, move somewhere different. But, you know, I think by staying on the play, if you can do it and write an alternative melody around this A structure, then, you know, for me, it makes for a much more interesting kind of creative song, if you like, you know. So then, then you know, we're in the chorus now and it wasn't, you know, usually you have an, an A section, which is the verse, then you have a B section, which is your bridge, and then your C section, which is your chorus. Well, this didn't really have that, you know, it just had the... Right, so and then we went straight to the chorus, so it was just an A and a B section. So in terms of that, I mean I think at that time we were like I think we were four albums into our um you know, into our career. So we were beginning to look for alternative ways of reinventing the wheel, you know, and writing a new song. So it was like it seemed nice. I always liked some of Sting songs and you know, he's got the habit, especially in the police, where they just went, you know, they, they, they were just on the verse and then suddenly they would just boom and they would just be right into a chorus. So that's where, you know, that kind of idea comes from. It's like, you know, let's cut out the B section. You know, we don't really, you know, it's nice to, to just go straight there, you know, and cut out the chaff and cut out the build, you know, just go straight into the chorus and just hit them hard, you know. So, uh, and if the night's a lonely time for you Just listen to the words I give to you And then that's the B section of the chorus yeah. Let the sun run up and Christmas time And it was going to be a Christmas song, we had that line Let the bells ring out it's Christmas time And then Somewhere, somehow 
you know, so there, there was sort of two halves to the chorus, if you like, you know, there was there was the first half and if the nights are only time for you, just listen to the words I gave to you. Whatever last to you Let the sun come up one more time Somewhere, somehow Take it down there, you know I'll be there Now I'm back at it for my life So you can see it, you know, now that I'm kind of playing through it and I'm remembering that what we were going through we were kind of coming up, I think it was October time and, you know, we were in the south of France so it was still kind of sunny but it was it was awful cold and that kind of... It's Christmas time You know, it kind of lent itself and, you know, you've always got to be careful when you're doing a Christmas song because... Oh man, don't get me wrong, we always wanted to do one, we just never had the appropriate song, you know, and... Right. and you know, somewhere, somehow, was a phrase that was hanging about, being waiting to be used in a song, and it, and it just worked in there. So we, we ditched the Christmas idea and just made it like a straight kind of rock song, you know? So, yeah, and, you know, it doesn't... If I remember rightly, after the second chorus... Somewhere, somehow... Sort of hop back to the intro here. I'll be there. Hey, 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 hey. Here comes your start. And then we're into a down verse where we can back this. If you're there and you care and you listen very carefully, darling. I really like the way he phrased the second verse because it, you know, I'm always, I'm, I'm one for not repeating what comes in the first verse, you know. We've already done that, we've already heard the first verse, let's move it on, let's say something else, let's move the melody, you know, and, and that's where Marty was so brilliant because he would just come in and just... When I'm walking in the morning Standing in the pouring rain You know, and I can't really get his timber, but I mean, he's just giving it, you know, there's just kind of, it's Susan's soul. And, uh, you know, what's really important there is just the drama that he's creating with, with, with the voice, you know. And, and, and that was where Marty was really, you know, he's such a unique singer because, you know, he doesn't really need to be saying too much to be really making people feel you know, what he's feeling at that point, you know? Well, that's the thing, Graham. I was just about to say, he's got great feel. He, he really, really has. I mean, if you were to put into a, a, a computer everything, you, all the ingredients that you'd want in a pop star, it'd come out Marty Pello. <laughs> Honestly, I mean, he's the guy's so good. I know. No, there's no doubt about it, you know, and, and anyone can see, you know, if we came up with a fairly decent chord progression, you know, you could always be rest assured that, that he would come up with something pretty dramatic and, and pretty dynamic that would that would carry the song a long, long way, you know, and, and as you say, I think bands like Wait, 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 you know, bands like us, you know, 
what defines them is the fact that they, they're instantly definable as soon as you hear the guy singing. And um, Marty's certainly got a big face, you know, to his voice. You know, it's it's an instantly recognisable thing. And you know, there's a lot of bands out there that are pretty hot and pretty good bands, but you know, because they've got you know, an indefinable thing about the vocalist, then you know, it's not going to work as well. So. Yeah, I mean, you know, a lead vocalist has to lead. That's the thing, and, and certainly Marty did that, you know. Ab- absolutely. Now, before we move on to another song, somebody else that I forgot to mention the last time we, we, we spoke, somebody that you work with, Sandy Jones, the engineer and producer. Just how yeah. good is Sandy? He's terrible, really, man. <laughs> I, you know, I've got him he knows, and... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I mean, Sandy's Sandy's such a, you know he brings a lot of the he brings a lot of my stuff you know especially in the, in, in the solo capacity and you know me and Sandy go back a long long way to Mary Hill uh, a little studio called Pet Sounds that we had in the late eighties and you know that's when I first came across Sandy so we've known each other a long time we've worked with each other for a long time so so we know each other really well. We know what each other does, and um, you know I, I, I can't really think of going anywhere else now. You know because you know when I know what I want to do, there's only one guy that that really can read my mind and, and, and let me do. Because I'm not an easy guy to work with. You know he'll be the first to say that. You know and, and we have our moments, but you know I think what we do in the studio is we create attention. And within that tension, that's how you become, that's how you, you create your music, you know. And, and let's face it, music has to have attention, you know. If it, if it has attention in it, then, you know, it will come across. And certainly with Sandy, you know, he, he's been a huge contribution to my music and Wild West music, I might add. You know, he was very instrumental in Love Is All Around, which um, we recorded and Pet Sound, uh, sorry, the Brill Building in Glasgow, which is an our place he worked. So, you know, he's, he's been pretty kind of, you know, he's been a big part of all my recordings, you know, sort of from from the late 80s onwards, and uh, a big hand and a big contribution in, in, in what you hear in, in the final result. So uh, I love Sandy, you know, I love him to bits, and, um, you know, he lets me do what I want to do, which... Uh, you know, as I said to you at the beginning, I'm not an easy guy to, to work with by any stretch of the imagination. And, and I know, you know, I have my little idiosyncrasies and, you know, I can be difficult. But, you know, he, he's a guy that, that I work well with and I enjoy working with him, you know. Oh, he's brilliant. He's, he's so good. He just hears things that I, and points out things that, you would, that I personally just would, never in a million years would point out. And he can hear them in a second. He's great. Look well, that. Yeah, that's a beauty. Just to, you're finishing this, but, uh, you know, I mean, a lot of my music, you know, when I'm making it, I usually stay in Glasgow, so I've got a 45, 40-minute drive from Glasgow into Wishaw, and, um, you know, he's, he's always there, bright hair, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, man, first thing in the morning, so, you know, a lot of the songs, and I, and I think he gets in there early enough because he can go in and do what he wants without having me breathing down his neck, man, you know? But I, there's been many times that I've come in and, um, you know, the surprise that he's, you know, the contribution that he's put in the song while I've not been there, you know, is invaluable to, to what the end result is, you know. 
So it, it's good to have that 40 minutes, Sandy will say, you know, because then he can go and do what he wants to do without, you know, having me saying, what are you doing, Sandy? Why are you doing that, you know? Let's get back to my ideas, you know, and, and Sandy's got a lot to contribute, you know, that's the beauty, you know, it's not just a guy who's, who's working the tools, man, you know, he's a guy that's contributing musically as well, you know, so... Yeah, I love him, man. I'll, I'll leave it there with the accolades to Sandy, man, you know. We'll edit the nice words out. We'll just leave the bit that you said he's terrible at the start. Don't worry about it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> love you, Sandy. You're brilliant. Right. Let's, <laughs> let's move on to, of course, good night, girl. Right. I'm dying to hear about this, how this came together. And just, again, an explanation. This is this is something I'm looking forward to. Okay. So, so uh, yeah. We went and, and I've been sort of I've been sort of doing this in the gigs and um, you know we went to Switzerland uh, to a, a place called Powerplay. We we loved kind of leaving Glasgow, you know, not because we hated Glasgow, then, but it was just it was always nice to go away somewhere new that we'd never been to, where we could just totally isolate. We could we could shut the door, you know, and let's face it, in a studio. The minute you shut the door, you could be anywhere in the world, man, you know what I mean? You could be in Glasgow. Uh, so in terms of that, we went to Switzerland and we sort of finished the album. Uh, and we were looking for, you know, like a, a kind of a track that, that wasn't going to be listed. It was just going to kind of appear. People were going to discover it. That was the, the, the kind of the, the, the essence, the acorn of the idea. And so we thought, right, well, we can do this kind of jazzy, you know, let's, let's explore a, a, a kind of jazz influence. And, you know, that's where Graham, the guitarist, come in. You know, he's very much the, the jazz guy in the band. So, I mean, I went out there fully expecting to do a fairly obscure, you know, nice kind of timid, you know, kind of quirky, you know, not necessarily a song, just a kind of bunch of chords that wouldn't, you know, that, that would be discovered and, you know, whether we got a good song out, it wasn't really the point of what we were doing. We were just trying to kind of do something to end the album, you know, end the side two. And, and of course, because it wouldn't be listed, people would have just stumbled on it. So, I mean, if you think a good night, Carol, there's the four chords which happen at the beginning and happen at the end, which are these, you know, the, these fairly obscure, you know, fairly random, you know, and, and, and they're kind of, you know, you can tell that, that we got it together in the guitar because if you look at my shapes, you know, I'm just moving up the fretboard, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not really giving any kind of coherent melodic structure here. I'm just kind of playing random chords. And, um, you know, it was Neil Mitchell, you know, when we were sort of kind of footering around and, and kind of looking for things. And, you know, where do we take this now after we, we've kind of got these four chords? Where, where can we go? You know, Neil was on the piano and he hit on like this sort of thing. You know, I, I 
was kind of thinking, right, this is now kind of got a structure around it. This is now no longer an obscure jazz song. And in a way, I was disappointed because I'm like, ah, damn, we're going to need to write a song now, you know, we're going to need to write a song around this, you know. And But, you know, it was, it was like we only had that bit, we only had the A bit. And, and if you're coming from a guitar point of view, you know, you're hitting on the A. The A is an obvious place to go, you know, the A was an obvious place to go. And, and, and so once we hit the D, I thought, right, that's us got the verse. Now we were looking for the B section, you know. So that's where the G came in, you know, and I just thought the G was nice because, it, you know, you, you had all the kind of real... You had all that really nice structure and the, the D sort of taking you into that kind of musical timber. And then with the G, it's such a surprise to kind of drop that tone, you know, and it's almost like a key change. In I was, go- was going to say, it's, it sounds like it's changing key, but it's not. Exactly, you know, especially when you, you, know, you do that and then and then you, you resolve it back to the A. So there's always that, almost like a, a relief when you go back to the A, you know, because as I, as I like to talk about in music, you're trying to create tension, you know, and that's the beauty of, of creating music, you know. If you can create a tension, then usually if it's a good tension, then it's it's beautiful because the music's beautiful, you know. So so if you've got that kind of G pod, you know, you know, we were, we were, we were kind of almost there with it and I thought, you know, yeah, this is the classic A, B, C structure, you know, and so once we got to the the, the second half of the the B section, which let me just tune it. No worries. I tune here, man, but uh, you know, so 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 I mean, once we're once we're there, you know, I'm, I'm flying, man. I'm like, yeah, man, right. And where do we go here? And we thought, yeah, B's nice. So 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 we're kind of the G. And then the B. Nice. You know, and, and you got all that, and, and, and obviously it was always going to revolve, uh, resolve, uh, you know, by, by the E, because that would just take you beautifully back into the A again, you know. And of course, I was thinking, right, we go back into the A, and then we go back into the D, but it never quite flowed, you know, and I never quite got the flow, you know, so. I was like, oh, okay, this is your classic A section, B section, C section. So when we came to the C section, because we'd had the A to the D, we'd had the G to the A, then we were just going to start from the A. Now, the other obvious one, you could have done the Bob Marley one, right? But yep. we thought, oh, we've done that in, uh, somewhere, somehow, so let's, you know, there's that one that, that, that just does the, the kind of, Tone in a half movement where you got, you know, and then we sort of reverted back to the second half of the B section, which is the B. You know, so and 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 I always like, you know, whenever we finished like the C section, which was the chord. Come on. 
caught up in your wishing well, your hopes inside it. Take your love and promises and make them lie. Make them lie. So, I always love kind of just adding a random bar. So, I mean, at the time, we wouldn't have had. We wouldn't have had those four chords here. We would have just said, or I would have just said, right, everybody, just imagine that there's, there's a couple extra chords here at the end and we'll fill in the blanks later, you know? Right. So you're always aware that because it's going back into the second verse, it's nice to create another bit of tension. And that's why, you know, you'll find a lot of this in White White Songs, there'll be an additional bar. And it's only if you're an if you're an anorak like you and I, Scott, that you'll notice these things. But you know, for me, I'm always one for putting in an extra bar here and there because a lot of the music that I like, they always kind of create something at the end of the chorus. It doesn't just go straight back into the verse. You know, they'll they'll do something different. Like the police. So, yeah, I, you know, I, I like to call it crafting. You know, that's where you craft your music and you craft your song. You know, it's it's all very well doing. You know, and everybody knows what eight bars is. You know, eight bars after you can hit bar seven, you're like, right, are we going somewhere new? Because it's coming up to bar eight and, and we're all ready to move on. So by by adding another bar, it kind of tops, it tails it, you know, it kind of makes it finish properly and then we can start again. And mm -hmm. and that's why we, you know, at the end of... Take, take your love and promises and make them lie. You know, and, and all that is, it's not really doing anything. It's, it's actually pedaling on the A, uh, sorry, on the E. So, I mean, the tension's being created by the E, but your chords are changing, you know. I think that's a, a D over E, and that's your, your E up an octave. And that's like a, an inversion of a D over A. A D over E rather. I mean, Duffin's the man for chords, you know. I'm not a man that, that can tell you, oh, that's an E minor ninth, you know. Occasionally I can get the chords and tell you what they are, but for me, I'm, I'm kind of an instinctual musician where. No, Graham, you, you're the melody guy. That's the way I yeah, see it. You're the melody. That's it. I'm looking for the melody that's going to carry us through these two empty bars, this empty bar that we've not got anything for, you know. So that was always. Oh, that's a nice way up. Oh, look, man, we've, we've kind of turned it round, and what, where this is taking us is back into the... You know, you know, always when you resolve something into something that's quite strong like that, you know, as soon as you get there, there is this relief that, ah, oh, the tension has, has now dropped. Great stuff, Clarky. Loving this, getting inside the mind of one of the great songwriters to come out of Scotland in years and years and years. Hang on a second there, Clarkie. We're just going to advertise some previous episodes and we'll be right back with you. A lot of great previous episodes for you guys to check out in scottkiwi.com. Episode 1, we mentioned them earlier, Glenn Matlock from the Sex Pistols. Episode 2, Huey Morgan. Episode 3, Sandy Tom. 4, Brian Ray from Paul McCartney's band. Episode 5, Ori Anthony. Episode 6, Bob Jacobs, the head spokesman of NASA. 
Episode 7, Dr. Phil Toll, that's Metallica's therapist. Episode 8, we had Graham Clark and Graham Duffin on. That was part one of this massive Graham Clark scenario here. On episode... I've lost my place, I'll continue. Episode 9, Andy McKee. Episode 10, Steve Craddock from Motion Colour Scene. 11, Cliff Goldmacher. 12, great drummer Steve White. 13, Martin Taylor. Stuart Copeland joined us in episode 14. Then the next week it was Dweezil Zappa on 15. Episode 16, Martin Harley. Julian Lennon on episode 17. The following week we had Carol Kay. Then Tommy Emanuel, Kaki King, John Gom, Nick West, Thomas Lang... The amazing Rhonda Smith joined us in episode 24. Last week we had Alice Cooper's drummer, Glenn Sobel. And of course, episode 26, right here, right now, giving his in-depth knowledge of songwriting, Wet Wet Wet's very own, Graham Clark, part two. All these episodes available at scottcowie.com, Stitcher Radio, iTunes and SoundCloud. So check them all out. Right, Clarky, the spotlight is back on you. Now, please continue with the breakdown of that section of the song. The, the, the spotlight's back on you, Clarky. <laughs> Putting the spot, but, you know, we're just going to go through the A, B and the C section again, you know, which is... Revert back, you know. I've always won for 
in the middle of a song, if you can revert back to the intro chord or something, yeah. you should, you know, because it links everything up, you know, and and, and, and there's me, that there's that sense of familiarity. Absolutely, aye, exactly. So, so I mean, we're there, and we've got reflected in your eyes. You said you wanted me, caught up in your wishing well. So, you know, we're back here, and we've said everything we've had to say in the song. The song is finished. This is the third time we're in the chorus. Take your love and promises, and you make them mine. And then we thought. Isn't that a great idea? Because this song is actually one of these jazz songs that was just going to be random chords. Why don't we go back into the four chords at the intro? You know, and all we did was harmony up. You know, we just, we worked out the harmonies. You know, the, the clever bit about that, I think, is the last chord. You know, especially in the intro. Because, you know, it, it's, it resolves beautifully on the A, you know, so as soon as you get to that A, there's suddenly this, oh, the tension's gone, and now we're into easy street, man. We're into something beautiful that's going, yeah, yeah, there you go. You know, so, Brilliant. I mean... You know, I, I'm kind of rattling through it in, in, in a 10 minute thing. You know, it probably, you know, to be honest, it didn't take more than, I don't know, maybe an hour, an hour and a half to, to kind of sketch the, you know, the, the, the kind of structure, the chord progressions and the A, B and C section, you know, and then, and then you're looking for a middle A and, and of course it's great. When you can just reverse things and say, right, well, let's turn that upside down, and that's the middle eight there, and you just, you know, you write another tune around that, and it becomes a different section. So, I mean, you know, it was a fairly quickly written song, and in terms of, you know, I thought it was really nice, you know, I just didn't realise that people were going to kind of like it as much as they did, you know, and, and, and that's always the way, you know, for a musician. I think we're the worst judges of our best songs, you know, and it's not, I mean, I think because it's, there's been 20 odd years now and you can look back on it and of course it has been a big hit and it was number one, that makes it special as well, you know, but, you know, at the time I thought it's a nice song, it's, it's a kind of well put together, well structured, well written song, you know, you, you can never second guess and, and obviously for a musician, you know, you're always looking at the trickiest song that you've ever written and thought, oh, look, look at how clever we are, you know. And, and sometimes, most times, people don't really necessarily want clever music, you know. They want music that's easy to listen to, you know. And I think that's part of the, that's part of the beauty of music as well, you know, because although, as I say, I'm, I'm kind of rattling, rattling through it and saying, you know, this chord was in it and that chord was in it, it sounds very simple, you know, but it's deceivingly difficult to get to that simplicity. You know, music is yeah. it's complex, man, you know, and there's no other way of, of kind of looking at music, you know. And the best music you listen to is the music that sounds simple, you know. But once you start getting mm. into it, you go, actually, it's, it's not that simple, you know, because, I mean, I'm saying, oh, it's A, but I'm dropping some of the... Yeah, you know, 
every chord in an A. You know, yeah, like I'm yeah. not playing every chord in a D. I'm kind of, there's a couple of open strings there. There's a couple of, you know, there's, there's a couple of different things, a couple of different nuances, a couple of different kind of chords that, that Graham Duffin would know the names of, you know, that, that kind of make it what it is, you know. And, I, and I'm all for using ordinary bog standard chords, but I always like to use chords that aren't kind of obvious, you know, you know, that I always like kind of, especially in a guitar, because it, you know, it's, it's not like a keyboard where, where it's all laid out in front of you, man, and all you, you know, you're just picking the notes to play. Because of the tuning of a guitar and because of the way it's, it's set up, you know, six strings, it's a complex, mm-hmm. complicated bit of machinery, man, you know, yeah. and, and that's what I love about it, you know. And the chord that you just played there, give us that one again, right? No, I don't know the name of it. Well, I, I know the name of this one because Graham Duffin told me it's, it's an E minor ninth. Right, that's that. That's uh, John Martin used that one an awful lot. No, he, he did. No, no. In, in this case, that kind of that highlights the point you're making because that's definitely someone who's a great example of that. I, I, I think Graham. I mean, I take it you're a fan of his work. Massive fan of his work. Massive fan, and I, absolutely, I do. Uh, I, I have nicked. He actually said in a documentary, you know, I hate normal chords. I don't play them. Well, we use stronger words than that, as only John Martin can, but he did say, I hate using, you know, I use chords that, I use different tunings, I use different, uh, you know, I, I use different different chords, you know, I try not to use the, your, your A, G and, and C, or, or if I do use them, then, you know, I'm using some sort of tuning, you know, you know, and, and, and just giving it a different, flavour, you know, but there's, um, what's that one? You never. You never. I mean, he is a prime example of someone that uses guitar, not like you're your usual guitarist, you know, he's he's almost playing the keyboards on the guitar, but it's, it's very it's, very odd technique, very very odd, but great. It's he's he's a he's a master, you know, and and he's certainly you know he, he comes from that he comes from the folk kind of side of it, you know, and and that I noticed a lot of that uh, certainly with people that I've kind of listened to recently, you know, they they, they kind of do that drop D, you know, drop D. And uh, dadgad tuning, you know, and the minute you do that, you, you, you get completely different flavours and completely different chords than you would normally find, you know. And it's not that, you know, you can still transpose it onto a normal guitar, but it just gives a different, a, a different enough flavour that, it, that it's, it doesn't sound like normal chords, you know. And I think that's where a guy like John Martin really came into his own because, you know, Believe you me, man, it can be a bit one-dimensional when you see, when you see a guy with an acoustic guitar and he's just banging out tunes all the time. You know, sometimes after maybe four or five, I get a bit. I've heard this, man. You know, I've heard this before. You know, whereas John Martin was the type of guy that you could spend two hours listening to. You know, and it wouldn't be the same kind of thing. You know, there would all be kind of different wee nuances coming in, and yeah. So mm. he's certainly one that, that I've looked at, and you know. Who doesn't love solid air, you know? Oh, God, I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, 
Very, very unique. Really, really good. Somebody you mentioned earlier, I want to kind of talk a little bit more about them just because I, I, I find your take on things is great here. Um, you mentioned Sting. I was talking to somebody before. I don't think I've ever heard that guy make a mistake on his bass or his guitar. And, his, and it's extraordinary to think that because of the, how complex his music is. Um, what songs stand out for you for, for Sting's work generally? Tea in the Sahara, I love. Uh, I mean, you know, I wasn't a massive police fan, but I've subsequently found a lot of police songs. Walking on the Moon, who doesn't love um, Every Breath You Take? Which kind of brings me nicely around a Good Night Girl, because, right. you know, the, the C section, which is the chorus, which is sort of. You know that. And then. So, I mean, we were kind of, you know, we were big on, especially that song, Every Breath You Take, was played in the studio. The unfortunate aspect of doing that in the studio is you sometimes feel you're, you're up against it, man, because, you know, the police were such a brilliant act and it's such a brilliant record man you know you, you sort of play that and then you go back to your own song and you go oh no man we got a lot to live up to there but you know I love I love Sting Englishman in New York um, still know nothing about you you know he's he's kind of he's jazz influenced you know he's uh, you know what's that other one on and on You know, so I mean, Sting's certainly a guy that, that I do, you know, come back to and really respect his music, you know, his musicianship, his songs, you know, he's quite an original, you know, he doesn't sound like anyone else. His songs are, you know, original. Yeah, and, and he's, he's a bass player. You know, he's one of the reasons I picked up the bass in the first place. Oh, really? Really? Wow. You think about it, you know, I mean, there wasn't a lot of guys that that had a bass on and sang, you know, and, mm -hmm. and fronted a band, you know, so he, he was kind of unusual from the word go, you know, and, and unique. And we always, we love our unique musicians, you know, there's, there's a lot of them around, but, you know, not many of them last 40, 40 odd years, man, you know, so... Yeah, he's, he's a treasure, man, and I love his music, you know. I, I love the fact that, you know, he was the big, he was in the biggest band in the world at one point, uh, and he left, uh, <laughs> you know, and, and, and you kind of think, man, you know, he must have had a pair, man, you know, he kind of walk out and that, because he could have stayed in Easy Street, you know, and just uh, picked up the checks, man, you know, but instead he went away and did what he wanted to do and became who he wanted to become, you know? Well, I think he's one of these guys. He, nothing ever seems to bother him. He just seems to breeze through life. Just, it doesn't seem to be a hassle for him at all. And just no, and, and, and uh, you know, that's the thing, you know, he's, he, he can turn his hand to a lot of different things. You know, you see him cropping up in movies, he's, he's done musicals, he, he, you know, he done that, the loop music of that loop musician, you know, so I mean, he, he's a varied guy, you know, there's a lot to him, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a lot of depth to, to his music, you know, and, and everything else that he does, so yeah.
big fan. Now, is there anything, everybody, of course, is influenced by the Beatles, is there anything specifically that you've taken um, from them for your for your songwriting, any wee insights? Because you've given a couple of great examples so far. The Bob Marley one, in which I never noticed, but when you point it out, it's so obvious. Uh, um, but I'd never, ever uh, think... Um, I mean, you know, I don't think you can downplay the influence of the Beatles in, in anyone's music, you know, nowadays. They, they, they kind of wrote the book and... Yeah, I mean, I mean, Julia was was kind of, you know, there was there was a few things going on there. Man. You know, here I go again. It seems all at once, and then standing still. Sorry now, you know I believe in how. You know, so, so I mean, it's, it's kind of all in there, you know, for, for, for me, you know, I was never one, I was always one for, oh, I, you know, as you say, you know, you recognise and, and then before you know where you are, I can't feel the love and I just hear the words and Julie, and then Julia said, she doesn't know what it's all about. <laughs> so, you know, you can't underestimate the influence of the Beatles, and that, and that was the thing, they always had these fantastic kind of chord progressions that would, you know, they would always surprise me, you know, they, they were never quite as cut and dried as you thought they were, you know, so you would, yeah, I used to always pick up the guitar when I heard a Beatles song early on, and I would be like, oh, I, I think I know what they're doing, mm. and then you sort of try to play along and you realise actually they're not doing that at all it's very deceiving and you know with Paul McCartney he was such a fantastic kind of writer you know as well as John Lennon being an amazing writer and then you had George Harrison you know I believe in how you know and you got that something Something in the way she moves Rather than no other lover Something in the way she moves me I can't even remember. I don't want to leave her now, but there was, you know, that, that was kind of going around when we were doing Julia, so I think that was the kind of, you know, the biggest kind of influence, especially with it. The chorus was Julia, Julia said Sorry. Julia said she doesn't know what it's all about. So I mean that's your kind of classic. Um, if I can remember it, you know that was uh, um, Like a dear prudence, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Won't you come back again? You know, and, and so with that progression, 
I'm all for kind of taking the essence of what we do and, and kind of progressions and and sort of trying to get them into my own idea, you know, like the Julia, it's very much a, a Beatles influence, you know, but, you know, I would say that there's a lot of George in there. Yeah, there's a bit of Paul and there's obviously a bit of John because it's the Beatles, you know, and they're just unmistakably there, you know. But, uh, you know, I've all, I always loved something. Uh, I mean, George is just George, isn't he? He's just kind of, you know, someone that I think is, you know, when you're a Beatle, you're a Beatle, aren't you? You know, and it, it kind of overshadows everything and anything else you're ever going to do, you know. And 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 so, you know, with George, uh, you know, he wrote some fantastic songs. I think Frank Sinatra said that it was the greatest love song ever written, uh, something, you know. And, and, you, and you do hear people like Shirley Bassey, singing something, you know what I mean? So it's a kind of song that, that kind of crosses a lot of, you know, crosses a lot of lines, you know. It's not just a George Harrison song. It's, it's like it can turn into a Shirley Bassey song. It can be a Frank Sinatra song. And, and let's face it, man, these are icons in our kind of, you know, in our lifetime, man, you know. So, yeah, I mean, you, as I say, you can't, you can't not kind of, you can't downplay like the Beatles' influence in all music nowadays, you know, because they kind of wrote the book back then, you know, and and they were so good, you know, and so so very creative, you know, and nobody was really doing that, you know, and uh, don't get me wrong, you know, there was other guys there as well. The Beach Boys are, you know, there's always that ongoing argument: who was the best, the Beatles or the Beach Boys, you know, or the Beatles or the Stones, you know, and. You know, that can be debated till the cows come home, you know. Just for me, I, I kind of, you know, I got kind of into the Beatles sort of around about 16, 17. And, you know, from then on, I was a Beatles man, you know. I mean, right. I do like the Stones and I have come round to the Stones, you know. But I think it's an age thing, isn't it? You eventually get to it. It's, it's a bit like uh, the older you get as a musician, you find that, you know, you slowly go off Radio 1 and onto Radio 2, and then you slowly go off Radio 2 and you're actually listening to Radio 4, you know what I mean? And it, and it's a bit like that, you know, I, I hear, I see myself in the car flicking the channel to Radio 4. I also hear, see myself gravitating towards Bob Dylan. If you think about that when you're 16, man, I couldn't be further away, you know, I couldn't see Bob Dylan, I didn't really get it at all. But the older I get, the more I, I kind of appreciate these things, you know. So, you know, I, I guess as well, doing my own thing and doing going up there and, you know, I'm not saying, hey, I'm Bob Dylan now, but, you know, certainly looking at what he did way back when, I'm finding that I'm, I've, I've kind of found something of value that, 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 that sounds great, you know, and, and, and it appeals to me nowadays, you know, and it didn't when I was 16 or 17. Amazing, amazing stuff. Now, Graham. Lastly, are you looking forward to the White gig coming up? A ton of uh, gigs booked for July. Um, one question that actually, for, before I asked you your, your thoughts on it, how long do you guys rehearse for? Have you got? Do you, do you book at five or six? Is yeah, it... yeah. We, we we do we do like a probably about a week uh, before the gig. We'll, we'll get together and um, you know, we've been out in December. So we're kind of, we're up to speed in a sense and we just need to kind of walk the rust out. So yeah, I mean, as any musicians know, 
you you really need you really need three or four. That would be enough. But you know, because we're going to be changing the set a bit and maybe bringing in a couple of new songs, then we'll we'll do a week. And it's always nice because you know what it's like. You go into a rehearsal room, man. We haven't seen each other for a long time. There's a lot of people there. There's a lot of things happening. There's a lot of interviews. There's a lot of distractions. You know, so you basically get maybe one or two hours a day. You know, you actually go and physically work on the songs. You know, when you know people have got other things to do, people are you know being distracted by other things. So yeah, I mean, I, I would say you know five or six days will take, and you know I think that comes in two or three days uh, towards before the first gig. So I mean, we'll have you know as I say, you could do it in three or four days easily, but. You know, just to give us a cut us a bit of slack, and um, you know, to get maybe some new songs in there, then we'll we'll, we'll take a week. You know, so it's all you know, it's great. You know, I, I I love the rehearsal room, especially with with these guys because it's all intuitive, man. You know, all the hard work was done in the studio and in our formative years. You know, so it's just a matter of remembering. Oh, okay, this is how this song goes, and you know. It's not really that hard because, as I say, all the work was done in the studio and, you know, in the, the back of our mother and father's house, you know what I mean, way back when we were teenagers, you know, and so we, we know how each other works, you know, that there is an, an intuitive nature in our, in our musical relationships, you know, but um, there's nothing better than setting up with the guys, uh, my buddies, and dusting down the old songs and playing them again, man, it's, it's so brilliant, you know. And you'll need to have a little bit of rehearsal time for, of course, that medley of somewhere, somehow, no women, no cry, which, <laughs> which, <laughs> well, if, I uh, might find itself, uh, might find uh, itself into the set, Graham. You just never know, eh? You never know, man. You never know, and I. It, mean, so, it, so, it sounded fluent when you were playing it earlier, back to back. Well, I know, I mean, I must admit, I, I was kind of, I was doing that in my own thing, you know, when I'm up there, you know, I'm, I'm kind of, you know, you're always looking for, for new ways, and, and of course that lends itself perfectly, you know, so it was like... You know, oh, did you do that? I, I go into a few bars of it. Oh, do you? I didn't know that. Yeah, and so, I mean, it, you know, that's been great about going out myself, because, you know, you, you do forget a lot of how things come about and, and you know you got to remember nobody goes into the studio and it, and it just kind of flows out in three hours and then we say cheerio man you know there's a lot of you know banging our head against that wall you know trying to get that brick out as Ian says you know trying to kind of manoeuvre that brick because if you take that brick out of the way the whole wall's going to come down you know and and so in the, in the studio it's a bit like that you know you, you kind of bang in your head and then you suddenly get this sort of 15 minutes where it all kind of happens and you know the only way of getting in that 15 minutes is putting in three or four hours every day of trying how do we get this idea working you know and I've spoke to a lot of people and I've written with a lot of different people and you know it's you know everyone's the same you know we're all kind of we need a two syllable word that rhymes with dinosaur, man, you know, and, and <laughs> you know what I mean? That is... Or you purple. Know, if, if I've had that conversation once, I've had it a million times in, in, in rooms throughout the world, writing with other people, and, you know, it's something that gave me great heart because I thought, you know, I, I was naturally doing that, 
and then when you find you go and work with someone who does it for a living and and you sort of think man he's doing the same thing i'm doing you know i'm actually i'm doing i'm doing the right thing here you know because you're never really convinced that you know you're you're anything but a you know a cowboy from clay bank man you know what i mean so in terms of you know going and working with other people and seeing actually i'm not a million miles away from where these guys are you know and you know, that's where we are. Graham, it's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, I'm on the Top Music Podcast talking to the self-proclaimed cowboy from Clyde Bang. <laughs> <laughs> no, hey, listen, if that's not a great stage name, Graham, I don't know what is. I was going to say, sounded good coming out of your lips there, man. Uh, you know, new <laughs> album, The Cowboys from Clyde Bang, man. I like I it. I can I see like it all it. now, a change in style and everything. You on a horse in the front cover, fantastic. <laughs> Graham, absolute pleasure. Really appreciate you joining us. We had no real questions prepared at all, but we jammed it for an hour and it was brilliant. Ah, I love it, Scott. Anytime, man. Brilliant, brilliant to speak to you, man. Wet, wet, wet. Bunch of tour dates. I'm going to read them out for you just now. 19th of July, Haydock Park. 23rd of July, Sandorn Racecourse. 26th of July, York Racecourse. The 4th of August, Carlisle Racecourse. 15th of August, Newmarket Racecourse. 16th of August, Market Raisin Racecourse. There's a pattern here. Sunday the 14th September, Chelmsford Hines House. We really appreciate Graham joining us today. A brilliant insight once again in all the different songs. It was good to get into the mind of a songwriter that's had so much success over the years and the Wet 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 crew are still going strong. We have got a very exciting podcast coming up for you next week. Keep an eye on scottcowie.com, of course, Stitcher Radio and on iTunes. Absolute pleasure. Thanks once again, Graham. And our paths will cross again. Graham and I have already spoken about a trilogy, a part three. Can you believe that? But we will see you guys next week. <laughs>